Hi there, and welcome to the playful Saturday brunch episode with uh, Simon Dutton, the Lego Man, for the 13th of June, 2020. Uh, so today I'm chatting to Simon about all things serious play. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. Just before I go uh, into the the um, the interview, and this is part one, so get part one next week. Um, I've been toying with the idea of how I play with these interviews these days and they're tending to get quite long so I've started to break them up into half hour three quarter hour slots to make them a little bit more consumable each week so hopefully you guys are finding that a bit better it does mean that I can do two interviews a month and it would mean you get four episodes a month though a little bit more drawn out so give me a shout if you like dislike have no opinion um uh, it uh, makes it a little bit easier as well with uh, drawing out these episodes um, because with lockdown, it's been a little bit more um, complicated pinning people down and people being, um, yeah, I think priorities change, don't they? So um, it's uh, a bit of a battle, but not a bad battle. Um, we've got quite a few great interviews coming up in the uh, next few week, months even. Um, if you any of you have seen uh, my Twitter feed or Facebook or, or LinkedIn, you will have seen that I um, recently interviewed Eddie O'Bang. Um, I also recently interviewed Ricardo Vargas. And I've got three great interviews, four probably, um, lined up. Um, to talk to and I've got a few more to get in there but as ever if you know anyone who is uh, interesting or interested in being on a uh, podcast with me and sharing their story or their hints and tips around how to be uh, better at this profession that we do project management well get them to get in touch ping me a message uh, Sunday lunch pm at nigelcreaser.com or Sunday lunch PM at all the different social media outlets. Um, and I think that's it, really. Um, I'll speak to you after. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, then please get in touch at Sunday Lunch PM Pod at nigelcreaser.com. Right, so today on the Sunday Lunch Project Saturday Brunch Edition, we have Simon Dutton who is a certified facilitator in Lego Serious Play. So in theory, we should get some fun here. Um, Simon's uh, had a, a career in project management and uh, a number of different roles. Even I saw one thing that on, on his uh, LinkedIn thing that he was involved in chocolate as well, so we'll probably find out a little bit about that from him as well. But uh, yeah, we're going to have a chat about uh, Lego and how you can use it as a project, in project management and, and in your business. So Simon, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Nigel. That's great. Um, so before we head into the, the, the juicy element of it, do you want to just give us a little bit of background on, on where you came from and how you got into uh, into what you're doing now? Yeah, I've, um, I've got a fairly lengthy career, uh, most of it within financial services, and 30 years um, doing all sorts of project-type things, uh, being a business analyst, being a project manager. And, and then settling it into uh, program office, um, mm -hmm. which uh, I've probably done about 20 years as, as a program office professional uh, with a, a love and a speciality in project planning. Right. And uh, 
I, I found my way around Microsoft Project uh, and stuck with it and became the go-to person where, wherever I was. So um, that's a very b brief history of, of, of what I've done. Um, I've delivered things uh, many, many years ago, uh, putting screen-based signatures into a bank uh, before any other bank had done it. Um, I wrote scripts for call centers and delivered um, projects in call centers. And, and I've done a lot in, in data in, in recent years, uh, working on um, databases in, again, in financial services and run, updating them and bring them all together so that you had a single view in a single place of, of a customer. Oh, right. so, that, so that's um, a very, very quick run through 30 years of project management. <laughs> so you, you, you're a Microsoft project fan rather than a project manager's workbench? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think everywhere I've been, I've, I've always used and always been invited to use uh, project um, I've got the, the APM qualification, I did prints too, uh, but I've never used prints in, in any environment I've ever worked in. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that, with, with um, a lot of the, the bodies of knowledge and, and tooling. I think everyone's, everyone kind of takes some, or large organisations, sort of like bank. I was in um, Barclays Bank for a while, and, and they had their own version of... Um, their project management method and, and kind yeah. of uh, they're, all, they're all commonly based upon prints aren't they and those kind of learnings it's just yes. for some uh, everyone needs their own special bit really i suppose is part of the uh, part of the thing yeah, isn't it? yeah. yeah. but and, and i agree with you you know everybody has their own methodology but there are so many common things that run through them no matter where you are it's, it's fairly easy to pick up yeah, the yeah. knowledge is a bit odd at times but for me, Microsoft Project was always the um, the core, and it's just getting to grips with which version they were using. <laughs> yeah, whether they got the, the um, Microsoft Server and all that stuff when it when it was out and doing yeah. that sort of linking and then whatever PPM tools they've got linked into. Because I know I, I was using um, was it Clarity for quite a few years back, and um, the Open Workbench would would think okay but if you used a certain version of microsoft project you'd be a day out for some reason <laughs> whenever whenever the the schedule synced it would have one day out on each of the month on, on each of the end dates or the start dates i can't recall which and it was frustrating because you couldn't actually manage it using microsoft project so you had to use open workbench which had its limit limitations and that and it's, uh, it's a bit wild on that i, I don't know if i'm being controversial but I used Clarity on, on a recent piece of work, and I'm sure it was misnamed. <laughs> I think the, the thing is, it depends how it's been implemented, doesn't it? it I think it's, it's a very powerful tool. It has a lot of capability in it. Um, but it, it, if you come at it from a lens that isn't a how to enable project management better, and you come from it from either a financial perspective or a time recording perspective or, yeah. or, or whatever, and, and you don't come from that, right, how do we make this tool a, an enabler to the project delivery, then you end up, it becomes a, a, an admin task for the project manager, doesn't it, rather than a, a tool yes. for the project manager. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen it implemented a couple of times, well, two or three times probably really now, um, where it's not been that tool for the man the person on the ground man or woman on the ground it's been for the organization 
Yes, and, I think and, that's how it was implemented where I was. Yeah, and, and if you flip it on its head and go, right, how do we make their life easier? Oh, and provide that summarised and, and reporting up and, and things like that, um, and, and the financial elements of it, then it can, it, I, I imagine it can be a very powerful tool because yeah. it is expandable, extendable and flexible, isn't it? So. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So, that's, so, um, so obviously... Um, you, you like your planning and all that, but um, obviously today we wanted to chat about uh, Primaria and the, the, the Lego side of it, because obviously yeah. that's the bit that kind of where you are these days. It's kind of, how did you go from um, the Lover Project, how did you swap Microsoft Project for Lego Bricks then? Um, I was asked in, in one role to, to do an afternoon of teaching people how to plan. Um, and I put something together that lasted a couple of hours, and it was very, very basic and very raw. Um, and I met up with a guy again at another organisation. He said, you know that thing you did for me a few years back? Um, can you do it again? And I said, yes, but I think we need to give it more time. And I think we need to go a bit deeper. So let me go away and think about it. And I came back a few days later with, with the outline of a day of how to learn how to plan because I have this vision and again I'm going to be controversial that project managers don't know how to plan properly right yeah yeah uh, why, do, why do you say that that's, it's a very blanket thing um, if you give a project to a project manager the, the thing I've seen you and you give the Microsoft project they start typing in a list of tasks and then they type in the dates that go with those tasks. And, and then they end up with a task list. Yeah. But there's no connection between those tasks. Yeah. I, I, so I, yeah. If, if task seven goes late or takes longer or whatever, there's no impact down the line. I, I, I know. I know. When I, I before now, I've said to people, right, can you send me your plan? And you get an Excel spreadsheet. And no dependencies in there. That's right. And you sit there and go, well, it's not a plan. Yeah. It's like you're saying it's a list of tasks. Unless there's dependencies in there. And then you go, well, okay, fine, there's dependencies. So, so where's the resource scheduling on top of that? That's the next step of it, obviously, and it gets a little bit more gnarly when you start doing that. But yeah. I think that, that whole, um, you're right, people do kind of throw, yeah, about 10 days, yeah, it'll do that, it'll do that, do that, right, brilliant. So, but the, that knock-on effect, that dependency management to see, um, where you can get that critical path uh, at the back of it, yeah, um, can quite often not not be there, and it, it um, yeah, I, I've been quite curt with people before now and said that's not a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In all that's different exactly directions. Right. You, you talk about plans being put up in Excel. Mm. Uh, I've seen them done in PowerPoint. Oh yeah, I love the PowerPoint plans. They're and, great. <laughs> and, and, and that's an input plan rather than an output plan. I can yeah, understand yeah. people doing the picture afterwards and say, this is what it looks like, because yeah. you'll be able to understand it more easily, but not this is the plan. Yeah. So I was asked to, to put something together, um, and that's what I did. And I don't think you can learn in a classroom through PowerPoint. I. I'm going to state quite now, I, I detest PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. um, 
and there's lots of reasons why I'm not going to go into now, but let's just say I detest it. But occasionally, so, see, I'd, I'd argue with you that PowerPoint is a perfectly useful tool. It's just that people go to it and use it for everything instead of the specific thing it should be used for. Yeah. Uh, very much like, Microsoft, like, like you go there, you're going to do a presentation for 10 minutes. You don't want 25 slides. No. Yeah, you've got three slides at and, most, and you hang the content off those three slides. And have you noticed how um, you can make the, the number of words you need fit exactly onto a slide? Mm, yeah. 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 So, and that, and that, that um, it's interesting that uh, I imagine the, the brevity people used to have when you had to print off um, uh, the, the acetates. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's, it, it's changed, doesn't it, on how you yes. used it. When you had to create an acetate and then hold them and put them on there, I imagine that the getting to the point was a lot better then. Yeah, <laughs> but particularly in the days when you had to handwrite those acetates, yeah, yeah. and it was an overhead projector. Yeah, yeah. yeah you may right. need to add some notes at the end of this for, for the very young people. <laughs> yes, yeah, an overhead projector. I, I remember. Um, they, they, the only time they ever, had, yeah, you generally had a problem with it was the focus and the bulb going, wasn't it? <laughs> You, you didn't have to sit there for hours trying to work out which function key on the particular laptop that you've got makes the screen right screen come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, so you so, so you've derived this this training. Well, how how did that work? Obviously, without going so, into all the details, maybe. But. Yeah. So the the essence of it was um, it was an hour of PowerPoint with some interactive stuff in it that explained um, why we schedule. Um, how we break a project down. So we start with a goal and then we do objectives and deliverables and organize tasks. And that became my acronym, GODO, G-O-D-O, little, little O-T, GODO. And from there, we could talk about how we schedule and we would do some exercises. The first one would be... Um, Here's um, some cards, post-it notes, and it's to make a cup of coffee. Put them in order, connect them together. You have a plan of how to make a cup of coffee. And and people could do that and they could see it. Yeah. So we'd end up with a network diagram for chart. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then we could... So if I was just thinking about that, that there'll, there'll be people who may not have heard of network diagrams and perch charts. Yeah, and and and, they, and and my audience are project managers, so but there will yeah. be some people who will not have heard of those. Yeah. So so it's, it's, is it worth just how would you describe those two things? Um, it, essentially, it's a flowchart that mm -hmm. takes you through the tasks of the project, and we talked earlier about those tasks have to be, have to be connected through dependencies. Until you've got that, you can't see what the flow through is, but it. For me, it's the most simplistic view um, of the project. It, I find it much, much easier and better to look at uh, and give me much more information than the Gantt chart. Yeah. Because you can see how everything connects together, whereas the Gantt chart just gives you a, a, a time slice picture of, of what's happening when. Yeah, I think it, it, you're right. It's, it's that. Um, and it's a different tool for a different job, isn't it, again? Yeah. It isn't. It, it, you can look at a, a plan for a project, and your network diagram shows you all those interconnectedness. It yeah. shows you that critical path because of the the, the um, 
um, uh, the lags and things like that. Um, but again, it's like when you want to look at it, well, when does that? When will it finish? How will we do it? Where are we in tracking it? And the Gantt does provide that tool, doesn't it? But it I does. think you're, it, I think you're yeah. right. You can sit there and go, well, hang on a minute. Oh, I can easily see that that those red boxes as they usually are, aren't they? When they yeah. when you get the diagram, and you can see that, and you can go, all oh, right, I can see, and you can see where that slippage might be, or or where that pressure might be, or where you've got, oh, we can prioritise that piece of work over that piece because we've got a little bit of slippage room there, yeah, and we could just hammer the resources in there. So I do think it is. It, I, I agree. So it's a it's a different view of what you've got there. I, I have seen some printed up on a something or other, I don't know, bigger than a naught, um, massive plotters of yes. the network diagrams done yeah. up there and stuck on a wall for some big piece of work. And it, they, they, it kind of makes you appreciate the scale of what you've got to, got to deliver as well, I think. Yeah. And it will show you the critical path through, <laughs> which is really important. And, and that shows you, as you, as you say, where, where, the, where the slack is that you can yeah. utilise. Um, but it, for me, it was always the best way to QA a project where you found tasks that didn't have successors. So, you, you yeah. know, why are you doing it if it doesn't have a successor? And the ones that didn't have predecessors, well, how did you get there to start it? In, a, yeah. in my world, everything has to be connected. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, it, it, yeah, it, and, and somebody, something needs to say, and even if it is, day one start the project it must connect to that day one start the project saying yeah. do this piece of work and, and if that's just something you need to at a certain point yeah the, the trigger is you've got to get it done by just got to be a trigger isn't it yeah yes yeah so so armed with all that um you know we we did start at nine we'd have a coffee break that would take us up to 11 and then i would give them a book um and it was a project and the project is called Little Builders, and it's called House Build Scheduling. And the booklet contains everything the project manager needs to know to build a house, uh, what materials he has, what resources he has, um, how it should be built, the specification that it should finish it with, and, and all of that. And we ask them then to go through and deliver the, the documents that you need. So you've got the spec to start with. We ask for a work breakdown structure. And there's probably about 30 different tasks um, that we, we give them. And they're all printed on cards again, so they can create the network diagram. From the network diagram, they can create the Gantt chart so they can show the picture of where things are. Um, they know how to do the resource schedule, the cost schedule, and then a risk schedule. And we ask them to make up the risks they think that will sit around uh, this piece of work. Yeah. And that takes two or three hours for them to do and create all those documents. And in the afternoon after a coffee break, I give them a box of Lego bricks and say, right, now we're going to build the house to that specification. And we go through and the various phases of, of that build and some of the risks they came up with suddenly turn into issues which means that they have to review what they've done and and put it right and it adds cost it adds time and and, and so on 
and there are some things that are in there to trip them up that they don't know about. But at the end of it, they, they have a house that's built out of Lego in a very, very simplistic form. But they've learned and seen in action the documents that they created, how they then tran translate into the real world, because this becomes a real world project because you're building a physical thing yeah. that you can see. And uh, most people can understand um, how you would build a house. You know, you start on the ground floor and you go up and put a roof on it. So um, that's the essence of, of using Lego. It's, it's this 3D thing that, that brings the learning to life. Yeah. Yeah, that hands-on, your hands moving around doing stuff and then going physically exercising that plan. You can sit there and not, not understand the implications of that, that slack and the slippage and things like that yeah. um, to do that. Oh, that's interesting the way you're doing that because it is one of those, I was wondering how you were doing it. And it's more than just the the, the project planning, isn't it, that you're doing there. That is a, um, some of the key fundamental elements of, of a project delivery and and, and um actually stepping through a project delivery from beginning to end isn't it it, it is Excellent. so yeah and we can do that in a day and yeah. at the end of the day people have now got a really good idea of, of what they need to do when they do their next project so it's probably aimed at fairly junior project managers yeah but it, it because of my background it reinforces uh, the need for a connected plan yeah, yeah, and I think it probably is, is as a, as an, and again, it's a new as an as a refresher for people in delivering project planning. I think we do, we do get to that point where we will forget those um, those basics in some ways. Yeah, it's probably useful. It's a useful sort of refresher to try that as an exercise, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Really interesting. So how did that that move? So that was the, from the, the project point of view, and how. Um, project managers could benefit from that. And I, and I know that you moved on, uh, I think you mentioned before, is your, the, the Lego Serious Play, which um, uh, is kind of a, a wider um, yeah. application of using Lego. But, sorry, I'm going to stop myself there because I thought of something else and I didn't ask you. And just thinking about the, the planning and utilising... Um, uh, in this world of agile that we're in nowadays, how, how have you come across with that sort of um, the uh, maybe even some resistance around applying these sort of the, the more water in quotes waterfall approach um, with sort of agile type thinking? Yeah, I I think whilst you know agile is the thing at the moment, a lot of projects are still waterfall. Mm -hmm. so, and and it might be waterfall with lots and lots of agile built into it, but I think to begin with you need to understand waterfall before you go into agile. Yeah. Um, so you you have to understand how uh, a project can can go through, um, and even an agile project needs to have an outline of what it's going to deliver, which may change, but probably will change as, as the project goes on, because that's one of the fundamentals of Agile. 
but you need to understand the resources you have available, the costs likely to be there. You still need to understand if there are risks that uh, will hit you. And um, an overall view of the timeline to deliver this project. Right, so, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. No, and I, I, I'd agree with that. And, I, and what I've seen, uh, something I saw the other day, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, was um, that, that principle of delivering, the agile principle of delivering value to the, the customer early. And I kind of, you see it in IT, and you see it in, in apps on phones and things like that, and you can kind of easily apply that and think about it. But I saw that an organization, uh, I want to say it was in Dubai, and I could be wrong, was building a, a high-rise building. Yeah. Um. But they were doing it in an agile manner. And what they were doing was when they built the first floor, the ground floor, they start, that started getting let out to um, uh, retail businesses yeah. as, as they were doing. And then the, the second floor was built. And then people – and they, they were – through certain bits, they kind of – I'm not sure if it was floor by floor, but they were delivering and getting revenue at – levels before they finish building the whole building and i, I imagine and so it's, it's kind of you've got that agile drop suddenly in the releases but you've got probably within a in, in a building environment um as you say the um the more waterfall approach where you'd be saying right we need to pour the concrete and then foundations before we put this in and, and that kind of thing um it's just an interesting a blending of the two in a in a um environment that i thought would be really difficult to apply it into Yes, but in, in just listening to that, I'm thinking to myself, if you did that in a purely agile way and you went for your minimum viable product, yeah, then would you build your foundations big enough to take one story or 20 stories? So you need to have that forward yeah. thought. Yes, true. So that um, the whole thing doesn't collapse once you put get up to three Three floors. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it, from that point of view, you, it's more. It's again, it's you're doing agile releases of the build rather than agile releases of the design, aren't you? So yeah. you're not doing a full end-to-end -end agile release, but you'd be going right. My architect builds it. I get all my planning permission for the whole building. Uh, that's all done. Um, and then right, we're going to iteratively, iteratively. How many T's did I put in there? Um, uh, release it so that you've got. Um, it's it's about um, multiple release drops, isn't it, really, there, rather than it being completely, as you say, a full-on, right, go away and do that team. It's just that it's a, I, I'm a believe, big believer in the fact that you can use both, yeah. um, both a project, any project, and I've said it before on here, I've said it on other things, is um, different parts of the project. You need a hammer and you need a screwdriver if you're building a house. It's a great example, yeah. You, you don't, you can, you can put in a, you can put in a nail with a with a screwdriver, and you can put it in a screw with a hammer, but they're not always the best tools to use. And it's the same with the agile and the and the, and the waterfall approaches, isn't it? It's yeah. about it's about using the the right tool at the right time. Yes. Uh, rather yeah. than being mutually exclusive, and I I do believe that all projects benefit from having that um, agile mindset, um, whilst still having that um, having a, a level of um, waterfall. Uh, control and, and the other way around you walk the um, they both benefit from structure and they both benefit from agility yes yeah that's brilliant so yeah go on, no, go on, sorry. no I, I was agreeing with you all right 
So, as I started to go on to, you, you moved on to um, doing the, the Lego series, playing that, and from what I've seen, it's a, that's a, a Lego a branded sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, what 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 led you to do that, and what, and what is it? Tell us, tell us all okay. about it. Okay. Um, what got me there was um, working in project management and, and, and project office type work. You obviously do lots and lots of facilitation. We did planning workshops, uh, risk workshops, um, business requirements, post-implementation reviews at the end. And I would often be asked to go and facilitate those things. So facilitation was quite a, a large part of my role at times. Hmm. And... I got to a point where I wanted something different on my CV that other people didn't have. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I looked around in the facilitation world and came across um, Lego Serious Play. Now, I typically get three diff- different responses when I mention I'm a Lego Serious Play facilitator. And there's the people who think they've done Lego Serious Play. Yeah, we had to build a bridge in a team session, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or there's um, the people say, yeah, I, I have done Lego Series Play. It was a great thing. I, I didn't know I could do that. And then there's the person who says, uh, t- tell me about it. So I normally start with asking the question, and it's, it's a bit rhetorical in a way. Um, have you ever been in a workshop or a meeting where you've sat through lots of PowerPoint slides uh, so crammed with words, and there we go again, that you don't have time to read them before the next one comes up, um, or the simply the, the presenter, presenter simply reads them word for word, or you've been in a workshop where the person holding the flip chart of the pen um, already knows all the answers, so what's the thing there? The, yeah, yes, yes, yes to all of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there's um, a very small number of people who dominate the meeting, Mm-hmm. and so much so that people just don't contribute they, they'd like to but again what's the point yeah so lego series play is a methodology I, I like to think of it as being democratic because it gives everybody an equal voice so no one person can dominate um the session and when i put um workshop together and every workshop is written solely for that client for that purpose Um, it's knowing what they want to get out of it and working backwards to understand how to get them there hello it's me again i hope you really enjoyed the play around uh, with uh, simon dutton there and uh the second part comes next week and it's as good as the first. So all it says really leaves me to do is say thank you for listening. Um, come back again. Obviously, um, I always say this, but if you um, want to support the podcast, please, uh, the best way is sharing with your friends and family uh, and colleagues and say, guys, listen to this. Um, your your opinion and your recommendation is greater than anything else. If you um, have the time, pop along to one of the, wherever you listen to this, give a review, whether it's Spotify, um, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all of those. And if you're not aware, you can get a copy of this uh, at multiple different places. Um, 
I may have mentioned my two books that I have. Well, I have three now, but two in the project management field, project management, the sketches, and when I were a project manager. When I were a project manager, um, you can get free or should be able to, although Amazon are playing around a little bit in a minute. I need to talk to them about that. Um, if you do try to get a copy of it and you're trying to get a co free copy and struggle, ping me, a, lesson, ping me a, a message and I'll send you a link where you can download your own free copy of when I were a project manager. Um, paper copies are available, as are they are for the uh, project management, the sketches. And uh, we also have a Patreon page. Um, so if you want to donate directly, ping along to the Patreon page. At the moment, I don't have any real super incentive, incentives for you to be there other than my endearing gratitude, really. Uh, on top of that, the only thing, obviously, uh, on top of that is come back. Come and listen again. Um, I look forward to you being part of this journey and, and give me some feedback on how you think we should shape this. So um, have a fantastic day and stay safe. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>